Well, Dr. Mary Paul serves as Vice President for Spiritual Development at Point Loma Nazarene University, where she oversees programming programs offering spiritual care and nurture for the undergraduate and graduate communities of PLNU. Dr. Paul is an ordained elder in the Church of the Nazarene. In addition to serving as Associate Professor of Christian Ministry at Olivet Nazarene University, she has served as a staff pastor, senior pastor, and co-pastor on the New England District here for 18 years. Dr. Paul is a 1983 graduate of ENC, having received a BA in social work before earning her Master of Divinity at Boston University and her demon from Asbury Theological Seminary. She's been married to her husband, Bruce, for 29 years. Bruce pastors Peace River Christian Fellowship, uh, which is a church start out of San Diego First Church of the Nazarene. They have two sons, Wesley, a 2013 ENC grad, and Jonathan, who is a sophomore at Point Loma. Her son, Wesley, is with us this morning. I would like him to stand so we could greet Wesley this morning. (laughs) Wesley, do you remember that freshman year where you wrote an article with me and you kind of made fun of me in that article freshman year? Do you remember that? Now we're even. So good. Um, (laughs) Will you please give a warm welcome to Dr. Mary Paul? Extending forgiveness, so Corey sounds like, yeah, we got some work there to do. (laughs) Um, The Point Loma students are still talking about last year when Matt Damon came and was the revival speaker for our our place for a week. Yeah, they were like totally convinced that that was Matt Damon. And I'm like, not a Boston accent, that's a New York accent, but they didn't really get the difference. Um, yeah, I was, let me tell you a little bit myself so you can get to know me as we uh, travel together for the next couple of days. I was born and raised in Long Island, New York, East Rockaway, and then I married after college, went here, but after college, a Boston boy, Bruce Paul, and I think there's a picture of us together. If it comes up, great. If not, you can imagine him. There he is. And uh, yeah, because of that marriage... I am now fully a Red Sox, Patriots, Bruins, Celtics fan. So, yes. (laughs) Sorry, New Yorkers or other teams out there, but that is true. I mean, this husband here can actually get teary-eyed over Red Sox. So, (laughs) just any other affiliation in our home wasn't going to work at all. And then this next picture is actually of the two of us, I think, if it comes up. Um here in this building when we were seniors, but it's not coming up. That's okay. We, uh, we, had, we have great memories of this place, and it's really a privilege to be with you. Um, as uh, Corey mentioned, I, we have two sons, one that you know and one that is at Point Loma, which we're really thrilled um, to have him nearby as much as uh, we get to visit Wesley when we come out, come out here. But I think most of all, you can take that picture down, most of all, um, I love the Lord with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my strength, with all my soul. And I pray that God would help me to love God with all of that being every day and to love neighbors as God has called me to love them. And I pray that as we walk together in these next few days, that we would all be called to deeper ways of knowing that love that is for us, 
that love that is through us, and that love that goes before us. Let's pray together. Our gracious God, we give thanks for your amazing grace, for your amazing love for each of us, for your dreams for each of us. We give thanks for each one who is in this place. And we give thanks for your deep knowledge of their life and their story. And so we pray, come Holy Spirit and work among us as we lean in to listen to your word. And we pray that the the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to read this morning from Acts 2. It's Acts 2, 29 to 42. And if you'll stand with me as we read God's word together. Fellow Israelites, I may say to you confidently of our ancestor David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Since he was a prophet, he knew that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would put on one of his descendants on his throne. Foreseeing this, David spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, saying, He was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh experience corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that all of us are witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you both see and hear. For David did not ascend to the heavens, but himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let the entire house of Israel know with certainty that God has made him both Lord and Messiah, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayers. We give thanks for God's word. You may be seated. So we're kind of dropping right into the middle of this Acts story, or not in the middle, fairly early on to Acts, but if you look at the whole trajectory of Luke-Acts in the middle, and we encounter Peter proclaiming, which in itself should cause us to pause if we have been tracking with this Peter, this Peter who denied Christ, this Peter who couldn't stand to walk with Christ all the way to the cross, this Peter This Peter, who in the night clearly said, I am not one of his, is now proclaiming boldly in the streets. And in that is amazingly good news for us, isn't there? That this Peter marks for us a life in which, as people who follow Christ, and we find ourselves in these places, 
That even as we have said, yes, I'm with you, I'm for you, I'm walking with you, God. That we find ourselves in places where we have, in some way, by word or by action, said, I am not one of yours. And yet, there is grace. And yet, there is forgiveness. And yet, there is power to transform the one who stumbled so badly into one who proclaims. And so we hear out of this, Peter, this proclamation of this good news of who Jesus is, and that in the name of Jesus, what we can know and receive. And as he proclaims, they have this moment in which they are cut to the heart, it says. And they say something that probably every preacher dreams about that a congregation would say, which is, what should we do? (laughs) What should we do? And Peter says, repent and be baptized. And hear what Peter is offering to them. Peter's offering out of of his own life story of being one who has fallen and faltered and misstepped and denied Christ. He's saying, you can turn to this Christ whom you crucified. You can turn, repent is to turn away from all the things that have absorbed you or taken over your life or consumed your life. You can turn from that, turn to Christ. And receive this grace that's symbolized and signified by baptism. I love, I love the metaphor of water within scripture, and particularly how that's carried over into baptism. This water that washes over us. This water that renews us. This water that quenches our thirst. This water that is living and flowing in us and through us. There's so many passages within both the Old Testament and New Testament that bring us this kind of water imagery of new life that is offered to all people. To each one, each one of you who has a story, who has a journey, who maybe has gotten consumed by other things, that there is water for you. Baptism is the celebration of God's transforming grace, this testimony of a life raised with Christ and a life with Christ as it's walked from that place of baptism. It is a journey in which we not only say at this moment, but as we move forward, There are steps ahead. And that's where you get a little image of that when it talks about, and they together met, devoted themselves to teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. Language and church tradition is pretty strong around baptism. Listen to what is asked often before someone is baptized. Do you renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of wickedness that rebel against God? And the candidates are asked to say, I renounce them. Do you renounce the evil powers of this world which corrupt and destroy the creatures of God? And you can think of a whole bunch of things that destroy the creatures of God, can't you? And the candidates are asked to say, I renounce them. 
Do you renounce all sinful desires that draw you from the love of God? I renounce them. Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your Savior? I do. Do you put your whole trust in his grace and love? Whole trust. I do. Do you promise to follow and obey him as your Lord? I do. There is this repentance, renouncing, and this baptism, I do. I do, by God's help, by God's mercy, I do. Over the years, I have had the joy of being part of some great celebrative baptisms. One that is always marked as my memory is one that we did when I was pastoring the Bethel Church of the Nazarene. And we had a baptism um, down in Germantown on the beach. And the candidates, we hadn't thought it all the way through about what it would look like, but we actually borrowed from Wally Church their white robes. And so the candidates wore these white robes, and from one of the members' um, apartments, we made our way down to the beach in Germantown. I think we looked a little odd, Couple, there are about, I think, four who were baptized that day, walking in white robes, and then the rest of us kind of walking with them across the field in Germantown down to the water. And uh, it was cold. Refreshing is what New Englanders like to say. Um, but it was beautiful. It was beautiful as People gave their testimonies of God's grace, of God's love washing over them, of their renouncing of what once was in their life, and saying, I do, to all that Jesus desired to do in their life. And in many baptisms, and at this one, uh, one, each one read a scripture that was important to you, and one particular person read this one. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. And so it's... She quoted this passage of scripture, and uh, my husband and I got to say, we baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We celebrated. We gave thanks. We clapped. We sang as loud as we could. It wasn't a huge group, but pretty loud for us. Now, what if, as she came out of those waters... Her feet still wet, leaving wet footprints across the sand. She went to somebody who was clapping and pushed them over. What if she got up, those wet footprints happening, and while somebody is clapping, she slipped in her hand into their purse and grabbed something? What if after baptism, she got up, came out, again, still wet footprints, And she began talking trash about the person getting baptized next. Do you know what she's doing? She shouldn't be getting baptized. What would we do? We would be outraged, wouldn't we? 
Wouldn't you be horrified? Wouldn't you say you are still dripping from your baptism and you're acting in this way? And here is the call of the gospel. That we, as followers of Christ, are to always be dripping from our baptisms. We're always to be people who have wet footprints behind us that mark our life of grace. Not that we do it all perfectly, but we do it as people of grace who know how to forgive and to love and to speak truth and to receive truth and who extend grace to one another. And in that experience of still being wet, always new in this both thankfulness for God's grace and the sharing of God's grace, that we might actually spread that water to those we meet. That we might naturally be people who others say, I don't know what is different about them, but something is. Quite a few years ago, I, my aunt, my Aunt Catherine, um, was baptized as a teen, and then her mom passed away in a way that, at that point, convinced her that God must not have loved her. And so she lived life in that sense of separation from God. She lived life, she was a good person, but just in no way acknowledging God or experiencing God's goodness and grace fully in her life. And she had started raising a family and building a life, and she found herself all of a sudden hearing when she was quiet, read Romans. Read Romans. She thought it was the pizza. I'm I'm saying that, but she ignored it. She put it away. Next night, read Romans. A whole week, read Romans. Read Romans. Thoroughly convinced that God didn't care or love her, and all of a sudden she's hearing God call her to read Romans. And so finally she did, and she read Romans, and as she did, she was overwhelmed with this sense of God's love for her and grace, and those baptismal waters poured over her again. And her life was changed. Her life was changed. Her witness, her her desire to serve God and to love God, and her expression of knowing God's love was constant. She didn't have a lot of resources. She lived in East Hartford in a trailer park, worked at the post office, But out of this experience of grace overflowing her life and a witness, it splashed over that post office. It splashed over her neighbors. It splashed over her family. And my other aunt once said, she, and this is out of a family with all these pastors and people serving God, and she she said, Catherine is the greatest missionary of us all. Wet footprints, renewed as she turned from the things that consumed her, and for her it was being convinced that God didn't care, consumed by by life and all its distractions, and turning and receiving that grace anew. We all have places in our lives where 
We need that grace poured over us again. A friend of mine a while ago talked about in a season of life that was particularly difficult, that she had this dream that God told her to float in the water. And she was in this dream uh, in the middle of a lake. And she was doing that bad kind of floating where you kind of, you know, lift up your neck and your body goes down. And she just felt God saying, rest. Allow your body to float. And let the waters of grace move across you. In her case, take away some pain and hurt. But perhaps for you, it's that sense of that call into the things that have distracted you. Breathe deep and float in that water. And let God begin to remove that from you. The stuff that's just part of living in this world that starts to stick to you and just be part of your attitudes and your thinking, let that grace flow over you again and remove it for the purposes that you might have abundant life. We talk about this abundant life, don't we? But I think we only can know it if we allow God's grace to pour over us anew, to remove that stuff that just gets in the way and allow God to do the good work that he desires to do in you and through you. Many years ago as well, uh, I was, we were on a family trip, and we were hot, and we were tired, and we were grumpy. And we uh, eventually, after much traveling in this hot car, uh, Bruce called it a traveling greenhouse, that's what that car felt like, um, we ended up in Niagara Falls. And... Uh, Wesley, JJ, and, and I were able to make our way down. Bruce had to stay with the dog, unfortunately. But we made our way down the stairs until we got to this platform where you could reach in and let the water splash over you. And so we initially, you know, we're traveling. We don't want to get all messy wet, right? So we put our hands in. It felt really good. And then kind of put our heads in a little bit. (laughs) But we really didn't know the full refreshing of those waters until we stepped in and let it just pour over us, no longer caring what we look like, no longer caring if we got messy or dirty, but just let that water flow over us. And this is the daily invitation of our God. Let my waters flow over you. Not just your hand or your foot, your elbow. Step all the way in. Step all the way in and offer yourselves in that full abandon that we talked about. Offer yourselves in that sense of, oh God, all of who I am. You wash away all that is not of you. You name it. Whatever is not of you, you wash away that I might know the fullness of life in you. And that always is the purpose, isn't it? When we're cut to our heart, as they were 
in this time of Peter's proclamation. It was not for the purpose of shame. It was always for the purpose that they would be open to allow those life-giving waters to go to the very deepest places of their heart. The very deepest places that maybe you keep secret from others. That God's grace would come and renew you. Wash away all that's not of him and make you new. This is the call of the disciple. That we might be a people then who raise from our baptisms and our renewal of baptism, not rebaptism, but renewal of baptism, in ways that make our footprints wet and our lives splash in ways that are fed continually by coming together and praying and partaking in the breaking of the bread and singing together, but then going and living a life of grace that gives witness to this receiving of our grace. Again, in tradition... There's a prayer that's often offered to those being baptized. And it is this. Deliver them, O Lord, from the way of sin and death. Open their hearts to your grace and truth. Fill them with your holy and life-giving spirit. Keep them in the faith and communion of your holy church. Teach them to love others in the power of the spirit. Send them into the world in witness to your love. Bring them to the fullness of your peace and glory. Grant, O Lord, that all who are baptized into the death of Jesus Christ, your Son, may live in the power of his resurrection and look for him to come again in glory, who lives and reigns now and forever. The good news is, that it begins and lives and is ultimately known all by the grace of God, which is freely offered to you and to me again and again. And so this morning, we have just an opportunity for you to open up your lives and say, yeah, I need that grace to cover and to pour over me where I'm weary, where I'm tired, where I'm grumpy, like the traveling family to Niagara. I want that grace poured over me again. Or perhaps the image of I need to float in your grace, Lord, and let you wash away that which has distracted me, the hurts and the pains, addictions and challenges. Wash those away. And allow that grace to be poured over you again. And so we have some bowls up here and pitchers of water. And the musicians are going to come and play a song that just invites you to come. And it's praise to God's love and grace in your life. And so we have three people who will stand here. And if you desire... Out of weariness, out of desire for a touch of grace, of freedom, you just offer your hands and they will pour some water over you. It's a symbol of that grace that is new, 
a grace that can make you splash out grace to others anew and make your footprints wet again. And so if you're not desiring to come forward and do that, you can sit in your pew and just hold your hands open. There's something about that that says, Lord, my life is yours. Lord, let me speak the truth of ways I've been distracted from you, what's consuming, that I might be consumed by your love once again. So let me pray over you, and then as they sing and the people take their places, just feel, we've got some time, feel free to come forward and receive those waters as a symbol of the beauty of baptism being poured over you again. Our gracious God, we give thanks for your amazing love. We give thanks that grace and mercies are new every day. We give thanks for the testimony of a Peter who once said, I am not one of yours, who then, transformed by your grace and the work of your Holy Spirit, boldly proclaimed the good news of hope in you. Oh, God, have your way in us and among us, individually, but as a people. Come, Holy Spirit, and work something new within us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you desire, come and offer yourselves this morning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me I once was lost but now I'm found was blind but now I see Twas grace that taught my
over by your love. And as we leave this place, may our footprints be wet and our lives splash over unto one another. And so together we, we uh, say this prayer and sing it. Praise God from whom all Tonight, tomorrow night at 7 p.m., come back and worship with us and hear from Dr. Paul again. Go in peace. You are dismissed to love God and serve others.